Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I take you for a ride on the devil ship. I'll take you for a ride where you sink or swim. Now come with me and let this story begin. Larry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Very happy to have you. Uh, bef- I, I, we're going to go to the writer's strike, uh, the actor's strike. I have a question, but before, did you know that in 98, you were in Arrival 2? Yep. Which had nothing to do with The Arrival, but then you were also in 2016 in the movie The, the Arrival. Arrival. Yeah. Fucking random shit that the universe <laughs> gives you, right? Isn't that? Yeah. Did you think about it at the time? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, or, The Arrival had nothing to do with The Arrival nothing. 2. That's Arrival why it's 2 even was, more random. It was technically a sequel to, right, to yeah. the original one with Charlie Sheen. Yeah, it, it, right? it was Arrival. The Arrival 2? Yeah. 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 And then uh, it was with uh, Patrick Muldoon uh, back then. Yeah, it was a fun time. Uh, you know, movie was okay, but you know. Most of those at yeah. the time. I mean, I, you know, I've done some really good movies that I'm proud of, and I've done some other ones that, you know, were, you know, crap. But it's like, you know, you, you always, acting is fun. Even when it's not going, doing well or not, you know, I don't care. It's fun. You're working, right? So like, I did a movie that was... Uh, so so it, but it was for the sci-fi channel and uh we shot it in brazil with my wife and uh, Stephen baldwin and so people say why did you do that movie it's because i spent a month and a half in brazil and got paid for it yeah I had you fun know. this is my life it's like michael kane do why did you do jaws 4 he said because it paid for my house in the bahamas that's a yeah. good answer so there bingo you know. you've accomplished something that every actor that i've spoken to uh kind of strives for but they don't always get is longevity in acting, yeah. it's it go. Oh, that's I, another I'm, way of saying you're old. No, 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 no. It is so. Go look at people's IMDb. The mm-hmm. hardest thing is you see, especially now, it's kind of like it seems long. If in five years, within a five year span, they've been doing movies, right? Not going to the '90s and just get, it's very hard. And you, so you've already achieved that, which is insane. Right? It's, it's amazing. Uh, do you? Does it ever? Does it ever pop in your head? You're like, God damn, I, when did I start? What am I doing? How the hell have I been able to do this for um, this long? You've been I, in so I, much I, stuff that we've seen you. I've been lucky. Yeah. I mean, really, it's it's what it boils down to. I don't need these headsets. No, you're not a guy who needs them. Yeah, so being, I mean, I, I kind of fell into it uh, back in the beginning. I'd done some, like, a little bit of extra work, and, and if people want to become actors, I suggest you do a bit of extra work so you can get onto a set and find out what, what a set is like. And... But don't just sit there and read a book. Watch the actors, how they prepare. Watch the director, the director and how he does his directions and stuff. Uh, blocking and, and all the other stuff and finding your mark and everything else. You can learn a lot, but I wouldn't do a lot of extra work if you want to be an actor because you don't get pegged as an extra. And it's, it's two separate things. Yeah, right? once you get pegged as an extra, it's kind of hard to get yeah, out of that. Yeah, yeah. so, um, I, but I, again, uh, with my wife, well, not my wife at the time, my girlfriend at the time, and uh, Jane Heitmeyer, and she got a part on this TV series called Sirens, which was a cop show that was shot back here in uh, 1994 with uh, Robin Spry and Tellefsen. And um, 
I was talking to her agent and her agent said, well, you said, do you want to be an extra on it? And I went, nah, no, I'll pass on that. She goes, uh, oh, you want to, you want to try out for a role? And I went, yeah, that'd be fun. Oh, look at that. Right. What an upgrade. I said, okay. Uh, she, I said, what do you do? She goes, let me, let me work it up and uh, we'll see what we can do. I said, okay. And then that night she goes, okay, you're going in for this part. Uh, well, I'll fax you over. <laughs> you're dating yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll fax you over the lines, the sides. Uh, so get a photo headshot resume and uh, go on in tomorrow. And I went, great. I said, oh, what's a headshot? You know, so yeah. anyway, picture yourself, right? So I got the headshot, I went in, and they'd actually, the, the part I was uh, was going in for, they'd already cast, but they cast me for another one. So my very first audition, I got a role. And That's, that was cool. Who does that? Yeah. So, um, and it was uh, it was cool, because um, my, my girlfriend at the time has this big love scene with her husband, and then he comes downstairs, and he gets shot and killed, and for you know, two episodes, she's going around trying to find out who killed her husband and why. And uh, yeah, I killed her husband. Oh, so, there we go. Yeah. Wow. That's romantic. Yeah. And they, they, they didn't know that at the time, but they kind of liked it. So I said, well, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, screw with my girlfriend, you go down. <laughs> uh, so that was like June the 5th, 1994. And I sat on set and I just, I said to myself, this is fun. Uh, this is you got really the bug, you got cool. The itch. It's you know, yeah. So I, I said I'm gonna I'm gonna make a make, give it a shot. And at that time, like I, I DJed for many years uh, in clubs and stuff like that. Uh, Guido was telling world. me that you DJed. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did that from the time I was 16. So being you know, how did you get into that? Uh, I started in high school, uh, but that was back in the day when you know mobile DJs didn't exist. We just kind of invented things as we went along and we're talking we're talking about real dj turntables oh, yeah, we're not talking yeah, about clicking play on oh, yeah, 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 no, no, vinyl yeah. and uh, you know i mean you had to have an engineering degree to try to make a record go backwards you know now you press a button um but yeah so i started working back in the disco days and this city you can't compare what this city was like now to what it was back then it used to be a real city oh yeah it was just it was the second most important city for for dance and disco the clubs were everywhere. I mean, you would go to Montreal, you, you know, you could hit 20 clubs in the space of an hour. If and you good just, ones. I'm, yeah, every one was a good one. I mean, so I started at the Altitech 727 when I was 16. Uh, they never asked how old I was. I was run by the Queenie Hotel at the time. I was on top of Placido Marie and I had my 18th birthday there. And I said, how old are you? I said, 18. He says, you worked here for two years. I said, yeah. Don't ask questions. You Steve. never asked. <laughs> Then uh, during the Olympics, it was a Harlequin in the Four Seasons. Uh, and everybody who was anybody who was here for the Olympics uh, came to the Harlequin. And uh, so, you know, I mean, uh, it, was, it was just a trick. I mean, clubs were open seven days a week, and they worked. And, you know, there was like, you know, I mean, okay, I'll give you an example. If you're on, uh, on Mountain Street, you know, you walk up to the Maisonneuve uh, back in the day, depending on, you know, what year it was. It was, you know, the it was the Playboy Club, it was Valerie's, it was September's, which I worked at for six years in the 80s. Uh, Harlow's was next door downstairs. You go down the street, you got Bogart's, and you go to the John Bull Pub. You keep going to Don Juan's, you'd hang a right, you'd go to the Tube. On the left side was Dominic's, and these are all in like 76, 77. 79, huge clubs everywhere. You had like pretty well... The two most important clubs, aside from Studio Fifty Four, were in, in this New city. York. We're in this city, which was uh, Limelight and uh, Twelve Thirty Four. Twelve Thirty Four was big even since then. Oh God, yeah, it opened up August. I think about August fifth or seventh, I believe it was a Tuesday, uh, nineteen seventy eight. Oh, you got a great memory. Yeah. So, well, I was first. I was the first customer in there. Me and my light man and the two girls. We just went and it was an open bar. We said, "Okay, see you later. Go dance." And stayed at the bar. But yeah, it was a hell of a club. 
Um, I worked at Studio 55 back then, which was another great location. And then uh, there was Don Juan's, Yesterday's, uh, September's, like I said, that, but that goes more into the 80s. So I went into the 80s, but I also worked in New York. I worked in Chicago. I did uh, Miami, Acapulco, Cancun, um, Florida. In your head, it was all, you thought... DJ, that's my I was, thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish, you know, I was DJing today because they're making a hell of a lot more money than we made. But I was, we were okay. You know, I mean, I, I worked at Har- one place in New York, which was a competition to Studio 54. Uh, and, you know, because what happened was club owners on the Eastern Seaboard would come up to Montreal to buy their sound and lighting because the best sound and lighting companies were here in Montreal because of the European aspect and then the lighting that came over from Europe and everything. So you had Disco Spec and Lumibec and these these companies so they would go and then the owner what they would do is they would go to like the owner of studio 55 and say okay we're gonna put your lights in for free and then they would use it as a showroom so they would bring club owners up from all across like you know from atlanta from florida uh, new york they would come up and they'd see the, uh, the the lights in action but and the owners would come up and i get getting get job offers right and yeah, they'd see the lights and the dj yeah action, you yeah. know so uh <laughs> so one guy came up and he says uh why don't you start working my place in New York? And I was a cocky, you know, 21 year old at the time. I said, yeah, you can't afford me. He says, yeah, what do you want? And I said, all right, well, I said, New York, I'm going to have to have an apartment. I'm going to have to have a car. Uh, I'm going to have to have airfare back and forth. Cause I got to see, you know, my family, uh, my light man comes with me and, uh, I don't know, a dollar a head per person that comes through the door. He says, you start Thursday. Oh, he called your bluff. <laughs> okay. So it's like, all right. And, it was it was the competition to Studio Fifty Four at the time because it was, it was Fifty Four and there was also a place that I had no idea about the size and everything else called Xenons. How big was that? Uh, they get about two thousand people on a Thursday. They'd probably get thirty five hundred on a Friday and five thousand on a Saturday. It was huge, right? And I'm making a dollar a head here, cash. Oh, now the good old days. Okay, and you, do you think I'm thinking of you know? stock market you know <laughs> you know bonds and stuff no we we would uh <laughs> we would leave friday night we go to the stage delicatessen for for breakfast uh then we we'd wait up then we we go to LaGuardia or, or kennedy get on the first flight available we'd fly down to miami or fort lauderdale we'd be on the beach in like three or four hours stay on the beach and then fly back to new york and then go to work that's what, what we used to do. Fun life though yeah. at that time. No, You're no, young was, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was, oh. Was, yeah. But you know, in retrospect, oh shit. Just save some of that money. Put it into Microsoft. You know what I'm saying? If but, you, you knew, know. who knew? Uh, but the yeah, I mean, I, I did parties for the Jacksons, uh, Phil Collins at Genesis. Uh, yeah, it was it was just it was a great time. And one day I will write a movie script. I was about to say either a movie script or a book. It, Something it's has to be to a come. movie script, and it's going to be just about all the, the adventures. And we'll call it "They Only Come Out at Night." They only come out at night is a good yeah. title. Yeah, and then uh, so yeah, so I mean, I never thought about acting at all, right? And then um, I did, like I said, I did a little extra work back in a another terrible movie. It was called "Dirty Tricks" with Kate Jackson and Elliot Gould back in 1979, and that just gave me an indication of what it was like. And I didn't really think anything of it. Went into the 80s, uh, you know, clubs again. Uh, met my future wife uh, in 88. I, mean, I was on radio at the time now. I'd started, I'd gotten into radio in 86. How'd you get into that? Again, fell into it. Um, the, the I, I got to do a radio show because of the, the mixing. 
And uh, well, you have a voice for radio. You can well, do it, yeah. We, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it, it came along. I mean, I listen to myself sometimes. I actually have some recordings back in from 1979 of me. Like I was doing a live show. On, it's called CLFM, which is 98.5 now. Uh, and listening to myself, and I, I just cringe. It's always you know. like that when you listen to yourself. Um, but then, yeah, but then I did I, I did Mix 96. Uh, I did that in 88 for a couple of years and didn't really pay enough money. So uh, Mario Trombley took that over. Uh, and if I'd known it was going to go 30 years or whatever, and he would have made millions of dollars on all the CDs he did and everything, I'm, hmm. Anyway, but nah, he's, he was a good guy. I like what that. if happened to MC Mario? He's still around. Yeah, we just did a disco party uh, back in April down at uh, the old uh, the old Hyatt, and we got about six seven hundred people all dressed up in disco stuff. And, God damn, uh, I yeah. wish because I, yeah. I remember it was such a voice of my childhood. Yep, MC Mario. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that oh, yeah. so vividly, yeah. and I was too young, so I never got to see what he looks like. Yeah. I never got to meet him. Oh, well, I'll have, have to get I have to get him here for you. I'll get. I'd love to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. we could do that. Yeah. I can get Mario here. I'll give him a call. Nice guy, huh? Uh, he's a great guy. Okay. Yeah, very so, cool. Uh, and then. You know, I did, uh, then I started a radio show on uh, CFQR in uh, 2001, and that lasted, uh, that lasted 10 years, so did that for a while. And radio was great, but this, but the problem with radio is, it, uh, I got into it, uh, you know, I was probably one of the last guys who had a show where I programmed my own music, and I could say whatever I wanted to say do whatever I wanted to do, have whatever, whoever, you know, because that's unheard of now. Oh, now. You know, now it's like music, 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 and they, they cut you off down to 10 seconds, five seconds or whatever. Um, they don't even get professionals anymore. <laughs> well, they don't need them. It's all, you know, machines. And uh, the thing was, is it wasn't fun anymore, you know? So, and I, and I, you know, I learned one thing. I, was, I, always, I will never do something that I don't like because I don't want it to be a job, yeah. right? So... Um, you know, it's the acting again, 94, I was still acting and still, the, I, I stopped working as a DJ in clubs, started running clubs uh, back in the early night. I think the last club I worked at full time was probably La Trois on VO Street in oh. uh, the East End. Okay. And that was probably 1990. Then uh, I opened up the Ozone, which was the old September's. Uh, that was for about a year. Then I worked at, uh, was running a uh, Neville's with Neville back on Mountain Street, another great place to go on Tuesday nights. Um, Club Extreme oh, until 94. Yeah. Then I went out to the West Island. And that's where it was back in 97. And I was actually working acting and working the clubs at the same time. And I got, actually, funnily enough, the arrival, two. All right. And uh, so I was working at the club till three and you know, being called. 5 a.m.? At 5 a.m., right? So it just killed me. So I made the... Big decision that, okay, I'm going to stop the clubs and I become an actor. And that's what I did. I became a working actor. Which after, the arrival which, too. Which that after the arrival too, I didn't work for six months. I was was like, like, of all I movies done? that motivate you, it's the you arrival know. too. Uh, yeah, just because I like sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, but, you know, I mean, I've been very lucky. Uh, I, was, I came up at a time in this city where there was actually a lot of work. There was tons of shows being done. Um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to get some roles in some really, really popular series like Student Bodies. Uh, I remember where I Student Cody's Bodies. Dad. Um, back to Sherwood, where I played the sheriff in Nottingham and just shamelessly ripped off Alan Rickman any way I could. Um, so, it, it, you know, if somebody says, What's acting? It's like being a kid again and playing with better toys. 
because, you know, the guns really work and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're jumping over cars and, and well, you don't really do it. Your stunt guy does it, but, you know, it makes you look good, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's working with, with people. I mean, uh, even now, I mean, I've been in it for, you know, 30 years and you still get a, you know, I mean, I, I got a part where I was working on a movie with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, right? And it's just me and her and doing this scene. And we were shooting it the whole day. But I used to have a big crush on her. Oh, doing. so did I. I, I mean, just I, letting I, you know. I'm throwing Mrs. that Scarface. out there. Come yeah. on, okay. Amazing person to work with. She you know. seems nice. Okay, she so she is was, genuine. Okay, yeah, good, good. She was really, really nice. And I'm amazing happy to, hear that. to work with again. And it's like uh, uh, Jason Sudeik uh, is another great actor. I worked with on a play thing called The Race. And again, here's a guy. And then just. He's such a great actor, you, and you 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 know you you will always learn, always continually. You can never learn enough when it comes to acting. And it's just the stuff I learned from this guy was just great. And he's doing uh, Ted Lasso now. He did. Um, who else? What is uh, it? I've always wanted Sudeikis. What is that? I don't know. Actually, that's a good point. I don't know what nationality it is, but but a great guy. Seems you know, cool. And, I mean, I, I have been lucky that there's been a few people that have been, you know, iffy, but mostly, yeah, but good. mostly, uh, mostly that they've been they've been really really fun to work with. Um, I did a movie last year, which is coming out this year, called uh, Longing, which is with Richard Gere. Oh shit! And uh, again, just it wasn't work. It was you know, and the, the scenes where we were, we had a lot of scenes in the cemetery. This cemetery that takes place because apparently the movie is that uh, his daughter, sorry, my daughter, it, she killed herself. His son died in an accident, but he didn't realize he had a son. So oh. he basically comes to town to look find out what his son was like. And we meet in the cemetery and we strike up a conversation, and then we have long conversations about our kids and stuff. Sounds like a good movie. And also, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, work it's, with real, Richard it's just, yeah. I mean, it just, again, it was, it's just, uh, you know, you, you look up at the sky and you go, thank you. This, this is, this is really cool. Yeah. You uh, got not just the longevity, but you get these moments. I've been lucky again. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Dolph Lundgren, I've done about three or four movies with, he was a lot of fun. The action guy, he was Best a lot bad of fun. Guy. And, uh, so, who else was, uh, I, you know, Sean Young. She was uh, interesting. Uh, that's, I'll leave it at that. I was going to say, yeah, is that? <laughs> um, oh, he's Lithuanian-German Sudeikis. All right, now we, we there know. There we go. Okay. Thank you, Poseidon. Uh, hey, see? That's why, he big, that's why he gets paid the big that's bucks. That's why he right? gets the big bucks, this guy. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to forget. So yep. writer strike is over. Yeah. Actor strike right now. Still on. It's still on, yeah. and the thing I didn't get, and that's why, I, and people ask me, but I don't know, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna ask you. Who knows? The fight right now is it mostly for rights on because AI is trying to come in, right? So we're trying to make sure that the actors keep their rights, and you can't just steal their likeness, well, yeah, and recreate them. That's one of the things, okay. right? Well, the first thing that happened was the the, the sticking point with the writers was that the, again, AI is gonna write scripts, right? Uh, so they're concerned about that because again, it's their livelihood and the deal they came up with is yes. And writers now contractually do not have to write, they have to work on a script. It has to be written by a human. By a human. So acting is two, twofold. One is streaming and residuals. Now residuals is like you get paid to do a, a, a part in a movie. 
Uh, in Canada and the States, it's a little bit different. In the States, it's you get paid and then you will get residuals, right? If the, how much the movie airs, where does it air? And because streaming came along, it wasn't anything there. So, you know, streamers are making tons of money and the actors are getting minuscule. You can have a hit movie. Everyone's watching. They're making millions off it. Yeah. And because it wasn't included in the initial concept of Correct. how we're going to distribute these Correct. films, yeah. you'll get zero. Yeah, well, minimal, minuscule, yeah, min- okay. right? Uh, so that's one of the, the key things. The other thing is the AI because they basically want to take your you and once they have enough of you... AI can make you do anything and say anything you want. I've seen what they said, and it's very scary. You don't need actors. No, they said take your likeness and own it in perpetuity, which means they have one good movie of you, and they have all the angles that they need. I don't need Larry Day anymore. But we can do this. So that's the key big aspect. And and it's, it's, you know, AI is, to me, it's it's dangerous. You know, Terminator, you know. No, it's for a lot, and for work, I just had a podcast about this, and we're talking, it's so, because there's a lot of stuff that uh, AI is doing that's going to make our lives so much easier. Right. So, because of that, we're not thinking of the cons, that this, it's going to change our economy completely. Well, yeah, but you're also forgetting to the point, though, is that, yeah, for every good thing for AI, there's a bad, there's a bad thing yeah. for AI. Because right now, a perfect example is they're using AI to mimic voice, mimic people's voices yep. and they're calling grandmothers and they sound just like the kids and it's you know it's convincing them even more to to get ripped off right it's the same thing with with uh, you know dare i say china yeah i mean they don't think in five years or ten years they think in decades and the, what they want to do is they want to be the global superpower and they you know Yes, you can have a way to use AI and you can have your rules and you can have everything else. Not everyone's going to play by the rules. Everyone's going to play by the rules, right? And so what happens, you get, you know, military, you know, military AIs going to run a war, you know? Then I think they're already you know, doing that. I had read something you know, about that. There's You're going to have, you know, I mean, like, look how war has changed and all the stuff that's going on with drones and everything else. I mean, it's, uh, I'm glad I'm how old I am. You got to live the real years yeah, where because, everything was uh, yeah. Analog. Because I just going forward, it, it really scares the hell out of me, and you know the economy, uh, how it is to buy a house these days. Impossible. Uh, you know, I mean, I feel for the I feel for the the generation that's you know the generation Z. I believe it is. They're they're the new ones right now. Yeah, the ones right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're gonna have to toughen up. They got screwed. They got yeah, the short they're end. The, of that they're thing. the first generation actually, which is not going to do as well. As the previous generation, which and through sucks. no fault of their own, no, they yeah they were thrown into this yeah you know so yeah I mean they you know, like they called COVID boomer remover you know <laughs> but uh, is uh wait the negotiations are they looking good? Uh, they're they're still negotiating. I mean I'm doing a series right now uh, called Back to da- Welcome to Dairy. So exciting! Uh, which is yeah it's 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 for HBO Max nine episodes. Uh, it's it's a prequel to the It movies, uh, so you're going to find out exactly how Pennyworth became and what what the entity really is and stuff. So it's it's really cool, and um, unfortunately, half of our cast is between ten and fourteen. Now we've shot three episodes. We have another six to go. We stopped shooting in uh, in July. And now we're not. These kids going to grow though. That's the problem. Okay, okay. I'm not crazy. <laughs> not going to look the same when we come back, and I, I don't know what we're going to do with that. Um, and you're going to need AI know, to 
<laughs> to, to, to have some to work do some computer work, <laughs> you know. I mean, the same thing they do when they make, uh, you know, like uh, when they make uh, De Niro and Pacino younger. And uh, that looked horrible, movies. though. It that was, was yeah, that it looked was, a bit off. I mean, don't off. forget, it's the same thing. If you go back to 1997 and Titanic and the computer-generated stuff that they did then, everybody's like, "Oh my God!" If you look at it today, you're going, mm, "But you know, everything." Is going to get better, yeah, right. So, I mean, just this, you know, the effects and, and how we shoot a movie now compared to well, we don't use film anymore a, a lot. I mean, it's all some digital. directors we still want to use film, but uh, it's just you know, and, and you get you get really talented guys in, in coming up, and they're they're shooting a movie on this. I, I've seen you know? little stuff get shot with cameras that I would not expect to be used. Yeah. It's baffling when it comes out. Yes, yeah, nice. there's a couple that come out like, pretty God. good, you know. But I mean, like, you, you got to worry about lighting. You got to worry about sound. You got to worry about, uh, you know, people that are sad. For every minute you see on the screen, let's say for a major motion picture, I would say it's probably about 12 hours worth of work yeah. to get that one. Minute, so crazy. You know, um, you, know I, I'm, you know, again, I've just been lucky to do what I love to do. Uh, I just finished uh, a series uh, called Plan B, which was uh, a French series. And now they're doing it in English for, uh, this is the second season. And uh, had a great time on that. So that'll be out in September, probably. And it's, uh, it's everything a, goes well? Yeah, well, again, if everything goes well. But I, but this is CBC, so it's Canadian. Okay, so, so the, yeah, they don't have to I'm worry. I'm really happy about that. I mean, you know, dairy, I don't know what's going to happen there because everything's on hold. So What shocks me is that it's on hold for so long because... If it's unreasonable requests, I get why it would take longer. But to res to receive residuals from a new platform that they're going to be distributing on doesn't seem unreasonable. It seems no, logical. No, no. But but again, there's it's politics. There's a lot of stuff with the producers. They basically think that the actors, you know, okay, don't forget, you've got you know your your A list, you know, multimillionaires making hundreds of million dollars on on movies like you know God knows what. Uh, what the gang made on Barbie, but it's, oh, it's, it's substantial, a lot too, right? Yeah. But most of the actors, probably 98% of them make under $50,000 a year. Probably a lot more of them make less than 25. Uh, so, you know, the producers are going to say, well, you know, we'll let them sweat for a couple of months. And then when they start losing their houses, they'll, they'll, we'll own them. I heard that that was a strategy with the writer strike too. And I yeah. didn't like that when no. I heard that. And that's exactly what they tried to do. But everybody, I think it's, it is, If they cave in now, it's the death of the industry as far as we know it, as far as the acting community is concerned. So, If the actors cave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I, we're not going to cave. I, I think that they're going to finally come to something. And there's different times, right? The writers are back now. So they don't really need the actors right now because the writers have got to write up the shows and they got to do everything uh, as far as the scripts are concerned. Come pilot season which would be in February when all the new shows are developed and shot and everything else, that's going to hurt the producers more. So what I think is going to happen is maybe they get something done by next month, but by January, they, they'll, they'll come up with something. I just hope that the, the, the union uh, comes up with the, the best that they can get from the producers and don't, don't settle for, you know, too much of a compromise. Do you find it hard to uh, land roles cross-border? Is it easier on one side of the border than the other? Um, it's, it's Nowadays, it's a lot easier because, you know, don't forget back in the, the old days, you used to go to the casting director's offices, you used to go and do the auditions live. Now you do the audition self-tapes, which I think it was, was because of COVID, 
But yeah. now, even though COVID's over, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, you you you're still doing self tapes, which I prefer to do. Because, I was going to ask, do you prefer? Oh or, yeah, yeah. I, much, I much prefer to do self tapes okay. because then you know uh, you don't have to. I mean, I remember driving from here when I was living in Montreal to Toronto, going into an audition for five minutes and driving back. You know, so yeah, that's especially if you don't land the gig. Oh yeah, well you yeah. well you know that's the other thing. I mean, you know, I I when I've talked to other actors who are up and coming, they say, you know, uh, first of all, what's it like? You explain that to them, but you know, learning to audition and learning to act are two different things because when you're acting and you've got the role, the pressure's off and then you've got everything working with you. You've got hair, you got makeup, you got your costume, you've got your props, you've got everything to make the character come to life. Auditioning, you're sitting in a, in a room, uh, in a chair, and you, you know, for the first one, you'll have maybe two people there. And then, you know, if you get to the callbacks and everything else, you know, you may have five to 10. You've, I've been to a callback, there were 20 people sitting in the room. Um, so it's so much better just to, because you can set up your lighting the way you like it. You can take your time and then you can put your best work forward and then you send it off. But, you know, I, I equate acting, if you want a, a comparison to baseball. So in baseball, if you hit three hits out of 10 times at bat, you're a superstar, yeah. right? Acting, if you're getting one audition in 20, you're doing really, really good. So, you know, 19 out of 20 times, it's rejection. And you can't take it personal because it's there. There are so many reasons. First of all, there's a heck of a lot of talented people out there. Second of all, you have to believe in yourself, but you, you can't get depressed about it. it. It's you have to have a really thick skin. Uh, there's a lot of rejection in it. Uh, you got to love what you're doing. And uh, if it, you know, I've been lucky enough that I, I've made a living out of it, which is very hard to do. But I don't want to be famous, and I, I, I just like be work, you know, I, because I've I've seen what happens with the famous. I mean, when I was in uh, with, uh, oh, here we go. I'm gonna have a senior moment here. Oh, God, she's gonna kill me when I don't remember her name. Uh, I remember uh, hanging out with these kids. Hang on, it's going to come. I, I shot, it's a movie on the road. We shot in Argentina. Kristen Stewart. Oh, shit. So we're in, I got a story about Kristen Stewart. Okay. Well, go ahead with yours. <laughs> no, I, was, I, I had seen her. This is the girl from Twilight, right? Yeah. Dude, I had seen her at, um, I was the Hollywood Film Awards in 2013 on the red carpet. Yep. She rolled her eyes at me, by the way. I said hi, and she rolled her eyes. I didn't like that, but I understood why. <laughs> I had never, I didn't realize how mean the paparazzi was. Oh, they're, they're, this is horrific. They were yelling stuff at her, like, no, don't be a bitch. Look over here. Oh, and yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. There's camera. Okay, you're so, being real. How come nobody cares that they're yelling at this girl? And her, it's like she was used to it. She was like, all right. Oh, yeah, but yeah. here, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, so we fly into uh, Buenos Aires, and uh, we're at the airport. We had to transfer airports because we're flying to a place called Angostura, which is another 1,300 kilometers away, uh, near the border, way down south on the border with Chile. And uh, so she wanted to go out for a cigarette. And I said, oh, yeah, we'll go out for a smoke. So we'll go out. And uh, the, the uh, AD comes up. No, you can't do that. You know, she goes, well, why not? Why can't I go? You know why. Oh, no. She just, she wants to have 
a normal life, be able to do what she wants to do. But then we go out and there's this girl there. Oh, can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? She goes, okay, so yeah. And Crystal goes, oh, everybody in, right? So we all get into that. That picture was out on the internet five minutes after we had taken it. Oh, yeah, of course. So now we fly by plane to Angostura. We get there and we get driven to our hotel and we get into the hotel and she was shooting and we went out with a couple of the other uh, cast members and we found this really, really great steakhouse. There's really good restaurants and Ar- they're great for wine and they're great for beef. So, Oh, Argentina? Oh, yeah. Yeah, steaks, yeah. man. So, yeah. uh, I said the next day to Chris and I said, uh, yeah, we found this really cool steak place. He goes, you want to you wanna go for dinner? Oh, yeah, 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 okay, great. But by the time, this is 24 hours, okay, they had found out where she was staying. They had driven... 1,300 kilometers, they had, and there was about 1,000 of them who had surrounded the hotel to the point where she couldn't get out of the hotel. I don't want that. What a life. Okay, I like going to the store. Somebody goes, oh, you look familiar. Did we go to high school together? Oh, maybe, you know. Um, I did once, um, I shot, the, I did this movie called um, Human Trafficking with Amir Servino, Donald Sutherland. He does that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we had to go to, we had to, uh, I went to Bangkok actually to shoot that for, and it was a lot of fun. How so cool was that? That was very cool. Yeah. I love, I didn't like Bangkok that much, but I loved, we went, I went afterwards to uh, Koh Samui uh, and Phuket and it was, it's paradise down there. Yeah. So. It's those um, blue, it's that blue water. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, Bangkok, because we were shooting, it was all about human trafficking and everything else, right? So we actually shot in the red light district in some of the parts. And we we actually shot in one of the bordellos. And I was talking to the one of the women there and just what, it's it's just, uh, it's scary what uh, what happens. So the movie came out, it had a great message, but I played a part in my, my end. My agent, Susan Glenn, uh, called up and she said, well, they want you for this role. I go, okay. She goes, but yeah, you're playing a pedophile. And I went, oh, I don't think I'll do that. You know, she goes, well, no, it's, uh, not, it's nothing, you know, it's, it's just inferred, right? You're a well-respected doctor. I said, nah, but look, I'm on, I'm on a kid's show and I, you know, I, I'm going to pass. She goes, well, you have to go to, you have to go to Thailand to shoot it. Oh, I could do that. Right, so now we go. If I get the opportunity to be a pedophile in real life, I will play one. (laughs) So, but I come back. The movie airs, and it's it's really good. The message to the movie is is excellent. Um, But I'm in IGA, (laughs) and I'm at the cash. There's a person in front of me, five people behind me, and I just got my stuff. And I'm and then the, the cashier's there, and she's like, boop, 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 boop. She goes, T'étais dans le, le film uh, Traffic Humain, hein? <laughs> and I went, Yeah. And she goes, The doctor, hein? Oh, I went, That's yeah. what you get recognized for. Avec le petit gars, hein? Yeah, yeah. And I go, He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, I'm going like, Movie, movie. Yeah, it's a movie, guys. It's not really it's me. Like, not real, right? But, uh, I'm glad oh, you yeah. questioned it because I had my old, my previous agent, when I started getting a bit bigger in comedy and French, right. she's like, uh, here, I got a role for you. There's a, co- what's the cop show called here? 
31. So she goes, it's a, she goes, I just want you to know. You're going to play a pedophile and you have these juvenile, like 15 year old hookers. And I was like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. She's like, why not? I go, because it's going to be the first time that like Monsieur Madame Tout le Monde sees me in Quebec. Yeah. yeah. I want him to come to my comedy shows. <laughs> I'm yeah. not going to, and she couldn't understand why. Yeah. And then she got back and she's like, I got another role for you. Full frontal nudity? No. Nope. Like, what are you that. talking about? Yeah. This is the first time they're going to see me on screen. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, not my agent. No, I won't do. I no, <laughs> no, because no. if I take my clothes off, everybody's going to see this. It was leaving. Yeah, it was, yeah, put your clothes back on. It's okay. I uh, love that you questioned. You're like, nah. nah no, you have to because you, you, as an actor, you draw lines on what you're comfortable with doing and what you're not comfortable with doing. It's the same thing in real life, right? Now, and people turn around and say, oh, well, you could act it. Yeah, okay. Well, you know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Also, you have a role. You have so much work behind you to back it. Yeah, it's a little different too because you could also pick and choose. And even if you do it, it's not the end of the world. Whereas mm -hmm. someone like me, who was that was gonna be the first thing we were gonna see, I was like, hey, you can't associate no, me. No, I mean maybe later on down the road or something like that. If it's if it's really, you know, if you're if you're I don't know doing, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, a production of hair and there's that you know that nudity in it there. Yeah, yeah right? that's a, okay. That's a different story. And right? you made it to a certain level. Yeah. Then you go, okay, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, even like, it's just like, you know, even when you're doing love scenes and stuff like that. Like, oh, hey, hey, that's a lot of fun. No. It must be awkward it's, as fuck. Well, yeah, because, you know, don't forget, you're kissing somebody. There's you don't 50 know, people there. And there's 50 people watching. And the camera's like right there, you know. You just, you, you know, you do it and get through it and. You know, that's a, I'm older now, so I don't have to do the love. I, I, There's I boners because I love acting. I'm passionate that, about my know. craft. <laughs> you know, so I just realized I'm very bad with boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you for real, or are you just saying that for um, for real? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one wants to act with him anymore. I don't blame him. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> did did Broadway? Kidding. Did Broadway ever interest you? Broadway, no. And I'll tell you why. I want to hear that. Okay. Yeah. I like being able to, if I make a mistake, I say, take that, I'll take that shot again. I'll take that scene. Okay, I'll do that. Take it again. On Broadway, you're live, right? And uh, yeah, it scares the hell out of me, right? Have you ever done any theater? Nope. Interesting. Now, I've done a little bit, like, you know, but again, I mean, I, and again, I love, I, I wouldn't mind doing theater probably. I, I wouldn't mind even doing Broadway probably, but because, um, Jane had done a movie with uh, with Gary Sinise called Snake Eyes with uh, Brian with, uh, DePaula and uh, Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah okay, I know yeah, Snake Eyes. So she, she played the redhead in it the, and then who ends up being one of Gary Sinise's cohorts. And, oh, oh, spoiler alert. They filmed that here. Yeah, they, yeah, shot, okay. it, it was the last, they shot it at the uh, the forum. Yes, 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 like yes. The old forum before they tore it apart. So anyway, so I was running uh, Bourbon Street at the time and uh, Gary actually used to play in a band back in Chicago. He hadn't played in 20 years. And they put together a, a, a band with some of the, uh, the people on the uh, on the set. And Jane said, well, you know, 
my guy's got a, got a he's running a club. You want to, why don't we put together a night? So uh, they, we did. It turned into an amazing evening. It was like Hollywood came to the West Island of Montreal. So we had like Brian De Palma. We had Gary up on stage. Uh, Charlie Sheen shows up. That was fun. Uh, when, great he, guy. when he showed up, was he already uh, in no, party mode? <laughs> no, he was good, but he went into party mode. There we go. Right. So, and I mean, like you know, a glass of vodka for him was like that size of that Tim Hortons glass, oh, right? And ah, he would yeah. drink it like that. Uh, and that's, that was just the preliminaries. Oh yeah, yeah. But he was he was a fun guy, nice guy. Uh, until he, you know, until he had too much. But that's you know, that's like everybody. That's else, I was right? about to say. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, but Gary liked it so much and had so much fun that he um, came back and did it again at the club. And okay. then later on afterwards, he started the Lieutenant Dan Band, uh, which goes out to all of the, uh, the veterans associations and stuff like that and raises funds for them. And uh, it was because of Jane getting him to do the first night back. And we, so we're kind of responsible for that. So... We go to New York and we're, we're going to Broadway. We're going to see uh, Death of a Salesman with, with Gary Sinise in it. And because he's, he's, he's another one of those talents that you just, you just go, I want to, I want to be, I want to be 20% of him, as good as, as good as he is. I'll be happy, you know? Yeah. So uh, there's a, an usher coming by and I said, me, I said, can you do, can you get a message to uh, Mr. Sinise? And he says, uh, he looks at me like, oh, you know, I said, just tell him that Jane and Larry are in the crowd from Montreal and, and to break a leg. So, you know, yeah, okay. He walks off. So I don't think anything you know, about 10 minutes later, he comes back and he goes, uh, oh, Mr. Day. I went, yes. Uh -huh. He goes, uh, Mr. Sinise would like to see you after the show. So could you sit here? And then when the show's over, so we watch the show and he knocks it out of the park. He's amazing in it. And so then we wait, everybody leaves. The theater's empty and he brings us. We have to follow him. We had to follow him and we had to walk across the stage. And, and both Jane and I looked at each other. And we we had to do it. We stopped and you in the middle out. of the stage. You just I went, yeah, I could see why they like this a lot. This is really cool. And then we went and saw Gary, and and uh, yeah, he was you know he's a great guy, and uh, he didn't have to do that. No, no, it was you just a I'm good saying? dude. Move. Yeah, but he said no. He says it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be doing the, uh, the Lieutenant Dan stuff, and uh, so you know yeah, yeah. So you know I mean. <sighs> You gotta like you were saying about Kristen. People are human, yeah. right? And when they, they are put on that limelight, which you cannot understand, you don't have a life anymore. It just goes out the window. And I mean, you, you, you know, yes, you're making millions of dollars, you're getting well paid for it. But Can't enjoy them the way you would if you no, were. A private I mean, citizen. you know, like I said, I mean, like. I like going to the grocery store, right? I like I like going out. I like doing what we do. I, I know, you know, that's why we started Strangers in the Night, which is the charity event that I do every year. Which is, uh, I like to be able to live, and a lot of them can't because of, of everything that happens with, with fans. But it's the paparazzi that's just. Uh, yeah, it's like I cool. said in 2013, I learned that when I heard how they were like they were saying like they were mad like Dude, don't be a bitch turn around. Yeah. I didn't know that's how they spoke. I thought it was going to be more like, hey, can I get a photo? Yeah, oh, I didn't no, realize that they'll call be, you names. It used to be, but not anymore. That's why people snap. Right. Well, that, that's why they get followed, and uh, look what happened to Princess Diana. I mean, hmm. Well, I got my theories on uh, that one. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, but it, it's, uh, you just get used to it.
Yeah, just uh, I could never get used to it though, so that's why I'm like that really level. Happy. That level's insane. No, because I'm really happy with where I am and what I'm doing. I'm, I'm able to work. I'm able to do the work that I do, and I I can go home and not get bugged. I can walk down the street. That's it's amazing. That's that's heaven. Yeah, you're you know, like, you know, I respect you know you as a stand-up comedian. My father was that for many many years. Very cool. Oh yeah, um, and I remember I was brought up and there was. Back in those days, it would have been people nobody would remember anymore, but like uh, getting up in front of even 20 people and they're sitting there going, okay, sucker, make me laugh. That's the hardest job of the world, <laughs> not acting, okay? What you do, is, and I've, you know what I mean, I've seen some of the major, major masters of, com- of comedy. Uh, my favorite would have been uh, George Carlin. That's a very good picture. Um, to me, the epitome, and I was lucky enough to see him live. Very lucky. And uh, he just was incredible. And I, I met him backstage after. His, his autograph, by the way, was not a signature. It was a smiley face. When you met him, how was it? Good dude. Hey, oh, yeah. Oh, oh he was. Uh, yeah, he came out and spent time with everybody and talked to us. I mean, I was like a kid back then, right? Yeah, like uh, my parents started show business. Back in the days when, I mean, it was, it was huge. I mean, every star came to Montreal to perform. I mean, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., uh, you, you name it, Louis Armstrong, all the, ma- the major bands. My parents were dancing at a place called the Dance Land back in uh, 1948. The uh, Tommy Dorsey band is playing. Tommy Dorsey sees my parents dancing and brings them backstage, and he says, how'd you like to be the featured dance act for the band? And that's how they got into show business. What a then, what a different time! Oh, you, in you have Montreal no history idea. was such oh, a. You know, I mean, I, I I can remember this city, uh, you know, working in the Olympics. I mean, it was a you know it was a three week party with a thirty year hangover, but oh, what a party it was! Uh, you know, um, even up you know through the rest of it. I mean, I just I go downtown today, and I, I, I you know it's just depressing. Sad, yeah, to see what happens. It's uh, and the you know the, the the model of what a club was didn't change for 70, 80 years. I mean, the clubs in Montreal started in the twenties because of prohibition, and then just never stopped. And it got to the forties and the fifties. It was all vaudeville. It was and then it was shows. And it was cabarets, and and then and then the sixties. It was more. Uh, a changeover to disco techs, as they called them back then, because it was records and not bands that were playing. And then, I, you know, in the seventies, it was us DJing. Um, yeah, I remember my dad saying, "You know, you, they could work fifty weeks a year, one week gigs in each place, and not hit the same place twice." That's how many clubs there were in the city at the time. It was during the. It was the first referendum that really started changing the city, uh, right? Seventy six, when the PQ got elected. People started to leave. Yeah, that was uh, that was the that was the main thing. Everybody got scared. Then that's the, what started the, to create yeah. Toronto. Toronto well, would well, not well, have no, been Toronto as big was, of a Toronto city. Toronto was a bean town. Montreal. I mean, it's sad when you look at you take a look at a picture of the skyline of Toronto in 1970, a skyline of Montreal, and a skyline today of both cities. That skyline in Toronto should have been Montreal. Yeah, you know, but I know that people cut off their nose to spite their face. Uh, and it's going, it's happening today again. I mean, I thought I was, you know, 40 years I've gone through this, right? Uh, 50 years actually now of, of 
everything from the beginning. I remember the bombings. I remember the cross kidnapping and uh, the FLQ and everything else. And, and oh yeah, Army. you were around during. Oh that. God, yeah. Was that a was that a scary time or? Yeah, sure it was. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, because I mean, yeah, there was bombings in the in the sixties, and some people were killed. But when they started to kidnap people, uh, it was it was a heavy time, and then uh, it just uh, in, like this. People just start, businesses start but to leave. Here's the thing, right? And especially today. I mean, I went through the, all this. We, and it got to, there was an equilibrium uh, where Anglophones and Francophones, there's not a problem with this. No. Nobody had a problem with that. But because of certain political parties and because of certain people with political aspirations, they had to create problems so that they could pretend there's a problem and say that they've got to protect, come in like Superman and save the French language. French language is not dying because you've got students from other parts of the country and, and other countries coming here to go to school. It, I mean, it's it's just Legault is basically, he's a linguistic racist. He hates oh, right now English. you mean? Yes, I'm talking about right now. I, I've thought about, I don't know, know if he hates, I think it's, oh, he, you know despised, what I think it is? He's even said it. Oh, okay, if he does, because what I would think is, I think it's political, I've said this to a lot of people, I feel like it's political, in order to get voted in, it's what you said, you need an enemy. Yep. He's like, who am I going to find? I got this, because in reality... Speaking both languages is not a handicap. If no, anything, it's, it's, it's a superpower. A, it's exactly, but they don't want that because they want to keep everybody. It's like the Catholic Church in the 40s wanted to keep everybody French-Canadian barefoot and pregnant. That's what they were doing, huh? Right? They didn't want them because they wanted to keep them here. It's like, it's like uh, pa Parizo said, lobsters in a pot, right? Then you've got the Anglophones at the time, and there was, seriously, a major discrepancy. And I, you know, the Francophones had a right... To, to say what they did because it, it, it but then if the balance came about all of a sudden i mean before legault was here the french canadians quebecois they don't have a problem there was no problems going on and then all of a sudden it's manufactured and he's going to play to the base it's not the 514 that is going to get uh get, get the election. elected yeah. it's going to be the 450 it's going to be outlying areas and he panders to the fears of everything and it's scary but it works and it's still it's like what trump did now, you know, what's happened? Your economy's terrible. Montreal, which should have been a powerhouse of a city. So it was supposed to be one of North America's. It, it yeah. was the envy. It was the yeah. greatest city. So, yeah, I love New York, but this was the greatest city in the world back then. Now, I mean, I, you go downtown at uh, Saturday night and there's nothing going on. You know, I mean, we used to come out of the clubs at 3 o'clock. I mean, the clubs would stay open until 6 in some areas, like the Limelight and the Rendezvous and stuff like that. There were traffic jams on, you know, Reddy Levesque, St. Catherine, Demaisonneuve, and Sherbrooke. People were able to make money back okay, then. You the, the city had you, money. That's at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, and everybody came out of the clubs. They'd go to the restaurants. I mean, the restaurants were all open, you know, 24 hours, a lot of them, because they, they had the crowd after, you know, we, we used to finish work and we go have breakfast or we go eat something at uh, like Bill Marie or these other restaurants downtown that were open. It's just sad, you know, and I, I really feel uh, a little depressed about the fact that the kids today won't experience what it was like. And they don't even have the same opportunities because the biggest thing I hear is that right now everyone's broke. But at that time, if you wanted to work in Montreal, there was opportunity for oh, whatever. Yeah. Everyone was making money. Yep. The city was booming. Yep. 
Yep. It was happy. Yep. And then now, you know, I mean, the only reason Toronto has a nightlife at all is because there's 250,000 ex-Montrealers living up there. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. It's just because of Montreal <laughs> that Toronto like, exists uh, the way it does now. But, um, you know, it, it's, I, I, I just, it, it, it's, it's not going to be easy for the kids today. And again, with everything that's going on, um, it, it's a dangerous world out there. You know, when you, when, when, you know, most of your younger generation is not getting news from a news center. They're getting news from TikTok mm. and they're believing it. That's a problem because TikTok's run by China. So China decides, you know, the, and the, and the, the propaganda going out, um, it, there's nobody, there's nobody coming together anymore and compromising. It's us that, versus yeah, them. Is. It's left versus right. And they're so far left. It's so far right. No, it's, there's no compromise. And if you don't have compromise and you're headed toward, I mean, I think the United States is going to go into a civil war one day. They've been saying that for a while. I hope not. I love the U.S. I, yeah. lo- I love the States, but they're so polar. But it's not just them. It feels, it's kind of like what you said about China. It feels like it's a psyop from other countries, oh, maybe yeah. even China. Yep. Because the polarization, it, it started in the universities, went so far yep. the last couple of years that it seems manufactured. Like it's, someone was behind it. it. It's too manu- much. A lot of it is manufactured. And a lot of it is coming from China. And a lot of it is which is a smart from, move on their part. A lot of it is coming from Russia as well. Yeah. And, smart move you know, though, strategically. Like strategically, I, I, they're not stupid. You know, they know what they're doing. You know, and if we don't, you know, if we don't have strong leadership, uh, which we really don't right I now. I was about to say we don't. There's uh, not one politician in North America that you could look at and you're like, there we go. No, I mean, that's and that's a, that's the sad part is that you know, titans of business and everything else are are. You know, Politics is like frowned upon where it wasn't before, Yeah, you know? And I mean, was everybody perfect back in the day? No. I mean, do you think J- John F. Kennedy would be able to get elected if, t- if he was here today with the way he was? No, because the times, hotties. times are different. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but, you know, to me, you know, and, I, and I've worked in a couple of movies that, that were like based on, you know, they're like end of the world type of things and things like that. Or Arrival, for instance, which is aliens coming down. I mean, yeah. if you don't think there's something else out there, we're the only thing in the world and the universe, yeah, think again. How much of, when you were on Arrival, how much of the script, did, did, did he, did uh, like Villeneuve want to keep anything secret no. or he wanted everyone to know what's going on? No, he had beginning? everybody, we had, okay. the, we had the script in advance, so it's like... Uh, I found the concept yeah. interesting. I'm a big time travel guy. Yep. So I loved mixing those things together. Yep. And it did make me think like, oh yeah, that is, you know, we take everything for granted. Like if somebody comes here, we should be able to communicate with them. Or, right. or what but if just the method of communication that's it. is alien to us? Yep. And uh, comprehending that is the key. Well, it's it, Yeah, it, it won't be like us talking together in a language or something like that. It'll probably come down to something to do with math, mathematics. Which is, is, that's universal. That's universal. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's such a good idea. Yeah. But um, I, it's like Plan B, the, the TV show I've just wrapped up on. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's done in French. They did really well with it. And I love the concept is that somehow there's this company that if you pay them enough money, you can go back in time. And for a good reason, they will send you back and you have a chance to write something. So this in this series, uh, it's the the one who is able to go back is a police officer. I'm the I, her sergeant, and she keeps going back into time. But the problem is, is every time she goes back and fixes something, fucks something else up, it fucks something else up, and she goes back again and she tries to do that. And it's yeah, and it's what happens. And you know, 
I'll tell you about something after the show. I have a time travel script that I wrote. I wanted to do with my uh, buddy. He's he's um, my buddy Rob. He's on a Netflix show. Uh, uh, fuck, what's it called, bro? Why am I forgetting? Uh, Umbrella Academy. Umbrella Academy. Okay. And I had I'll, I'll, I'll show you. You're gonna laugh since you like time travel. Yeah, you, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask the parameters of this show. Um, so every time she goes back, it fucks something else up, yeah, right? Yeah. What? Do they allow you? Like, let's say if you would say, did somebody in the show would would say, I'm gonna go back and kill Hitler, for example? Right. Would they allow that? Don't Cause, know. Because you know why I'm questioning? Because what if it would stop you from creating the technology? Because the company that does it, we don't know who they are, by the way. I like this. They take the money off your credit card, but they charge you X amount per day you go back. Interesting. So if you have to go back like years, that's going to cost you a lot of money. <laughs> you so you better be But do they bring you back or you have to bring yourself back? Oh, no, they bring you back. Okay, so if you can't afford it. No, they, they, if you, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they actually come to the door, two of, these, two of these guys, and carry you away in a truck and take you away. And the next thing you know, you're waking up and you're back. Where you what a from. fun concept. I'm a big time. I love yeah. time travel. Well, it was funny because when we're shooting the show and, and like we have to re, you know, we have to do the, what they call the plan Bs, right? So we shoot, shoot one and then what happens and then, the same scene, but it's a little bit different, right? Because uh, something else has happened, so it's, it's like the same scene, but not. And then it's for you know, it gets, it's it gets confusing sometimes because okay, which one is it? Are we doing the this one or is it this one? And you know, so the scripts are almost the same. And for an actor, that's kind of hard because when you're memorizing yeah, stuff, yeah, what's the difference? There's subtle, you know, a subtle difference and stuff like that. So, but yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Okay, so, so is yeah. there something you prefer? Like, I, I like that you're into the time travel, but are there scripts that you'll get and you're like, God, I'm all right. Oh, yeah. This is the I concept mean, I want. Uh, yeah, there's parts you'll say, okay, if I get it, I get it, and that's okay, that's cool. But there's some where you go, you call your agent up and go, okay, look, I'll, I'll work for free on this one. <laughs> all right, just get me this role. Because uh, it's, it's you what's know. Your, what's your type that you'll go crazy for? What's what's the type of movie you want to do? Or is it just working with a specific person? Uh, okay, well, um, give you an example. Um, I did a movie once, uh, my, Susan called me up and she says, well, it's an actor role, which is a five lines or less role. It's, it's, they're not big roles, right? And I usually don't do those. I go, well, I don't know. And she goes, well, it's five days. And I went, okay, well, no, I said, who's the director? She goes, uh, Bob Rafelson. And I went, the Bob Rafelson, like five easy, five easy pieces, Bob Rafelson with Jack Nicholson, that Bob Rafelson, and she goes, yeah. The very same. I said, are you out of your mind? Of course I'm going to do it, right? Why are you asking me? Just so, <laughs> it's with Samuel Jackson. It's with Nina, Mila Jehovic. Uh, oh, shit, okay. Oh, no, it's, yeah. So, but, uh, again, here's a perfect example of, of you know, I got on set, and uh, you could cut the tension with a knife. It was just, just. I wasn't good? Yeah, Sam was, Sam was acting up. And he's great with great actor. Love him to death, but him and the director weren't seeing eye to eye, right? Really. So um, we're doing. I, now I'm done. This is day five of the five days that I'm doing, and I, I, I'm just there lapping it in. I mean, the guy's a legend, Rafelson, right? And I'm working with Sam Jackson, so yeah, I mean, it's it's not work, you know what I mean? So. And I don't have a lot of work because I only have five lines, right? So there's like, I don't have to memorize a lot of stuff, right? So it's great. And then last day, I don't have any dialogue or anything like that. And I'm done to the word, right? Because if you have five lines, you're an actor. You get paid X amount of money. Yeah. If you're over five lines, you can become a principal. You're paid a lot more money. So I'm like, to the word, five lines. And uh, so we, we last seen... Um, 
Jackson's got to say this whole, pretty well, full-page monologue, and at the end of it, arrest her. And I walk off, and I'm going to arrest Mila Jehovic. So we, we're blocking it, which is rehearsing it, right? That action just, just stands there. Arrest her. I went, what? Arrest her. Okay. I go off, right? And I come back and I go, uh, Sam, are you, you going to do that, that, you know, monologue? He goes, that's what he's going to ask you. And when he does, you tell him I'm not Dashiell Hammett. Is that what he fucking okay. told you? Because Dashiell Hammett wrote the book that the movie is based on, and he's very flamboyant and you know, descriptive and everything else. And, and and in retrospect, you know, looking at it, yeah, he's right because it was really a long thing that wasn't needed. But um, so he and he goes, "I'll be in, I'll be in the, uh, the office there." And he leaves it. Rafelson comes up to me, and he goes. Motherfucker's not going to say it, is he? And I went, no, he said he's not Dashiell Hammett. And he goes, oh, okay, well, it's not. okay. The what thing, that'll work. We can do that. that. I like that. We'll do that. Okay, so just do that. And I go, I can't. He goes, what do you mean? I said, because it'll put me in another category. Because he goes, what's that going to cost? I don't know. He says, you know, I could, can I swear on this? Am I allowed? Oh, of course. Okay, yeah. Okay. He said, fuck it. You really, really did me a favor by helping me out with this thing. And he said, like, I don't care. Go ahead. Just say the word. Fucking right. Payday, baby. Payday. Yeah, well, it's one word. What? Four letters. Was an extra $11,000. Let's go. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. I'll take that any day. Oh, that's a good story. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was fun. Uh, but again, I mean, he's passed away now. Um, you know, uh, uh, what's a, yeah, there's, there's been a few directors I've worked with that are that are gone and, and, and actors as well. And uh, I just feel lucky that I was able to work with them. And, and uh, you know, and, and there's great ones that, that uh, you know, I mean, would, who would I like to work with? I haven't worked with yet. Mm. Uh, Scorsese. Oh. I, I had a chance, didn't get the part. It went to, uh, oh God, it was somebody famous, A-list from Hollywood, but uh, you know, I didn't mind losing out. To, oh, if I lost out to him, it's okay. But at least you got a shot. But Scorsese, I would, I would like, you know, yeah, yeah. That would be a fun one. What's his story now? Is he still doing stuff? Yeah, he just finished one. Uh, another one with, uh, you know, he's got Leo in it. And, uh, and uh, uh, it's, but it's it's kind of a different thing for him. This was the Oklahoma movie. It's more like a Western. Yeah, the Western I was oh, about yeah, to say. Yeah, right, okay, about the, oil, about about the that, Oklahoma yeah. oil discovery and the Indians, uh, the, the indigenous people that had the rights to the oil uh, kind of got killed about it. So, he made a movie about that. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, what it's about. Okay, yeah. I want to watch so that. That's, and it's what happened and what happened and how they were treated and stuff like that. So it's uh, good on Scorsese. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know, another one I worked with. He's probably he's still around. He's about ninety now. Sydney Sydney J Fury. He was the one who really made uh, Michael Caine with the Icarus Files. Uh, he did Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross. Uh, Boys of Company C, which is a really cool Vietnam movie. And I worked with him on three movies with Dolph Lundgren back and. You know, it, it's 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 like you know, movies. The, the shots become your your home movies. You know, and it's like it's like the movie that we shot in Brazil. I mean, it, we call that our our home our home movie trip to Brazil. You know? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah when you're but, fun uh, but too. I just to be able to do that and work together. I mean, I've been with Jane uh, thirty five years now. Congrats. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. ups and downs. But you know, you 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 just you know. 
you know, just compromise and, and, uh, and listen. When people stop listening to each other, that's that's when you have a problem. Yeah, and it's like you know, people say to me, you know, well, it, well, it, okay, describe acting or what's the number one rule in acting according to you? And um, I I stole it from Richard Attenborough. Uh, acting, don't get caught doing it. Oh, that's a, that's a good fucking oh, wow. thing. Yeah, and that to me is. Uh, you know. That's such a good saying. Yeah, you know. Attenborough is the inside the actor studio guy, right? Uh, no, uh, Attenborough is a really great actor. Who's the inside? What's the inside oh, the actor studio guy? Um, you know what I'm talking about? He looks yeah. like the devil. He's oh, got yeah, that yeah, devil yeah, mustache. Yeah. James Lipton. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're right. I'm you're really right. impressed. Yeah. I remembered that actually. Um, it's it's interesting because out of all the people you see asking questions on that show, um, there was really only one that made it really really big and you actually see him asking a question when he was in, and nobody yeah it was uh what's his name the, the guy who plays the raccoon uh for guardians of the galaxy what the fuck's his name bro Poseidon? I'm a hangover that's right what's his name why am i why am i blanking now i'm because uh... you got to give him something to do yeah right? <laughs> Uh, la, 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 bradley, cooper. Bradley, bradley, bradley cooper that's it yeah it was bradley, bradley cooper, cooper I saw that, plays yeah. uh rocket raccoon you, I, you just discovered that? I didn't even know. Yeah. Wow. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That, I remember the clip. Yeah, I remember watching that. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, you know, I'll, and, and the cool thing about acting is you, you can uh, don't have to retire. True. So you, you know. evolve into a new type of role that you can do. Well, yeah. You know, and and it's uh, it's a joy. I mean, it's it really is fun. Uh, you know, do you, do you mind getting up at the five o'clock calls and, you know, working, you know, 16, 17 hour days sometimes? No. And I did a movie with, uh, Belushi once and, uh, it was just us, uh, for 17 hours and we're sitting there after hour 16 and it's physical. I mean, I'm, I played a, a hit man and he is a cop, crooked, a crooked cop. And we have a big fight scene and this whole thing and baseball bats and stuff and, and we're sitting there, and you're it's probably, yeah, it had to be 16 hours into it. You know, he just said, you know, we're the luckiest people in the world. And I looked at him, and yeah, we are. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, so. Well, goddamn, honestly, Larry, uh, thank you for this. This has been uh, great. My pleasure. It's awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome time. Um, before I go, are you on the social media? Like, you like being people I don't follow? mind it. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I've got, you know, I'm on... Uh, Facebook and apparently I'm on Instagram. Okay, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have all the links in the description so if people want they could follow you there. Absolutely. That's what I was gonna ask. Do you mind if people follow you and no, all that? No, stuff? no, no, no. You like that? Okay. Yeah, not good, at good. all. And if they have any questions or something, just you know, send anything them. you want them to watch. Ah, uh, good question. Um, if you want to have some fun, you know, there's an episode of Suits that I did with uh, with Megan, which was really cool. She was actually really nice too. Really? Yeah, what really happened nice. to her then? <laughs> I don't know. I, I have a feeling that she had a real bad smear campaign done to her by the palace uh, mafia. Oh, so you think maybe she's actually good? A good person just comes off as a... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, she, that's... I mean, they've killed uh, yeah, another princess, so it's possible. Oh, you know, yeah. Think, I, you know, I, I'm not going to disagree with that, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, season seven, episode 11. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, gosh. I'd say, you know, wait for a plan B that's coming out. Okay. In September. Uh, Welcome to Dairy is going to be fun. And that the, I'm excited the about. The movie with Richard Gere is called Longing. 
Longing. I'm going to watch uh, Longing. Yeah. I'm gonna, I can get it today, right? I can uh, get it Longing, today. I'm not sure if it's out yet, but it should be on Netflix soon. Okay. But I think because of everything, they with the strike and everything else. and Everything's delayed. Gonna, so they may delay releasing it until they can uh, go, because I know it's going to be in the film festival. I'm very stuff. interested in watching Longing. That's... It's uh, it's an interesting movie. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, it's Richard. And again, another, Richard. another yeah. amazing, amazing actor. So, yeah, that's another one to watch out for. Um uh, they just aired. I just it was on the uh, next the, the newest episode of um, Weird Doc Mysteries. I die in that. I've died a few times. I've, time. I've died many times. There it's are many fun. ways. Let me count the ways I've died. It's uh, I've been strangled. I've been shot. I've been killed with an icicle. Um, One of my dreams is to get killed in a horror movie. Oh yeah. Well, well you see, you see, the cool thing about that is, you know, uh, you if you're in a horror movie, you get killed. You can come back. Yeah, even right? better. Yeah, which happened. Kill to me, me twice. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and don't ever do, um, don't ever do a horror movie with a numeral after it. I just say, you know, like I did Night of the Demons three, right? And it's like it was downhill since Night of the Demons two. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so I get killed at the beginning of the movie, but because you know it's a horror movie, I come back. You know, what do you think about it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's like, you know, good or bad. Uh, you put yourself out there all the time. And, and um, if you are if you are acting and you want to be an actor, don't give up your dream. Follow your dream. Just, just be ready for a lot of hard work. But, you know, something when you get in front of a camera finally and you start saying lines, it's a lot of fun. Well so. said. We've built this prison cell. Trust ourselves, critically ashamed and all afraid. We'll make a murder, murder, murder saying, Yeah, this is the American dream. You're gonna have to fight if you wanna believe. Just see it all the way. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.